people say, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do, and I'll go wherever you want me to go. And I don't know if you're in a place where you can pray a prayer like that. That's a powerful, that's a scary kind of prayer. Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do, and I will go wherever you want me to go. What a big, what a scary prayer. But that's the prayer of kingdom-minded people. This morning, we're going to talk about what it means to be a kingdom-minded person. We've talked about how God created the world, sin entered the world, messed up the relationship between people and God, and between people and people. God made a promise to Abram. He said, I will make a people through you. He made a promise to David. He said, through your seed is going to come a man and he will sit on his throne forever and ever and ever and ever. We looked at Jesus who taught us about the judgment that comes. And even though we live as a part of the kingdom, there are some of us who may appear to be followers of the king, but are not. And then last night, we saw that the kingdom of God is worth absolutely everything. It's worth more than we could ever imagine. It's worth selling everything we have and giving up everything that we have in order to go after it. But this morning, we're going to look at how we're supposed to live, how we're supposed to think, how we're supposed to act as kingdom people. Bacon is absolutely amazing. Is it not? Can I get an amen for bacon? Now, we don't have bacon in our home. We have this stuff called turkey bacon. Imposter. The scoundrel of the bacon world. Not real bacon. Tastes a little bit like cardboard heated up. It's not real bacon. So at our house, when we have bacon, it's a really, really big deal. And we usually only have bacon when Dad does the grocery shopping. And so when I go to the grocery, I find the biggest hunk of pork cut into strips that I can find, and I bring it home, and I fry it up as I did on one Friday night when we had my parents over to eat. And I had this giant pile of bacon, and I couldn't hardly converse as my eyes gazed upon the glistening goodness of that fried pork fat. It was amazing. My children like bacon. My firstborn daughter, perhaps the thing that we have most in common is our shared love for bacon. Because bacon is so good. You know the only bad thing about bacon is that it makes you thirsty for more bacon. And so that night, as we pondered over that incredible meal, I saw every now and then my oldest daughter, Mackenzie, would disappear from the table and scurry to the other room. She'd come back. Darling, what are you doing? I just had to go in the other room. Okay. Sure enough, a few moments later, those little feet scurry away. Come back. She does this three or four times, and we just cannot figure out what in the world she is doing. She never revealed the mystery to us. So that night, my parents left. All the bacon was gone. It was a sad night. I cried for hours. <laughs> Went to bed, woke up the next morning, was doing some cleaning the morning after. Went to a shelf in a hallway. There was a blanket that just didn't seem to be in the right place. We lifted up the blanket. Under that blanket were about 12 strips of bacon. 
So we go and get Mackenzie. We bring her into the room and say, Mackenzie, what are you doing? She said, Dad, I'm saving the bacon. And so we stood there and we ate old bacon together. And it was awesome. Because we had stored up that bacon. We had bacon this morning, didn't we? And the bacon was good. Well, a lot of us, when it comes to our relationship with God, being at church and hearing things taught to us and reading the Bible and memorizing things and going on trips and going to camp and all these leaders and youth pastors and small groups and all these people investing in you. You don't want to be like my daughter with the bacon and just keep it all for yourself and never share it with anybody else. You don't want to just hoard all this information and hoard all this knowledge and keep all these things to yourself and just say, Fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me. And then you have absolutely no outpour in your life. Even though we're kingdom-minded people, and we want to value the kingdom above everything else, if we're actually valuing the kingdom above everything else, it's going to make a difference in the way that we think. It's going to make a difference in the way that we act. It's going to make a difference in our priorities. It's going to make a difference in the things that are important to us. And so, as kingdom-minded people, I want to look at four characteristics that we should have in our life as kingdom-minded people. Number one, as a kingdom-minded person, you should work toward holiness. You should work toward holiness. It takes actual work and effort to drive your body toward holiness. Let's go 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. So Hebrews, James, 1 Peter. We're going to look at the first chapter. We're going to look at four different passages of Scripture. So you're going to be ready to, to move quickly through these texts. Okay? 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14, 15, and 16. As we look at working toward holiness. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14. Go, go, go. Hebrews, James, 1 Peter, right before... 2 Peter. Got it. 1 Peter 1, 14. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Do not act like you did before you knew Christ. You have to act differently because you have a new king. Verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, Jesus Christ, you also be holy in all of your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. You take the effort that you have, and you push toward doing exactly what God wants you to do. You be holy as I am holy. We are going to come under temptation in our lives. It's going to happen. But the way that we respond to it is our responsibility. Let me give you a little thing that I think will help you when it comes to temptation. You can write this down. Opportunity plus desire equals temptation. Opportunity plus desire equals temptation. That's what temptation is. And so... All of us have some desires that God puts inside of our heart. Let's just take the example of an interest in guys or an interest in girls. When you're thinking about dating, you're thinking about people in that way. You have a desire that is in and of itself a good desire. God puts that desire in you to say, grow up and get ready to be married. 
God doesn't put that desire in you so that you could gratify yourself. Men, these young ladies are not here so that you could just go after them and make yourself feel good. These young ladies are here so you can encourage them in their walk with the Lord. Young ladies, these young men are here so that you can encourage them in their walk with the Lord and not be a stumbling block to them. It's a natural desire that you have for people of the opposite sex, but sometimes we pair that with opportunity for wrongdoing. So, you may or may not be involved in this kind of activity, but I know that some students go to a guy's house or go to a girl's house and you watch a movie. Maybe go in the basement. There's opportunity there for bad things to happen. You go to parties where things are going on that you know are wrong. There's opportunity there. So you put opportunity and desire together and you have temptation. But here's the second part of the equation. Opportunity plus desire plus consistency equals overwhelming temptation. Opportunity plus desire plus consistency equals overwhelming temptation. If you continually put yourself in compromising situations, if you continually put yourself in circumstances where you're, you're challenged to sin, where you're challenged to do the wrong thing, eventually you are going to fold. That's why Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer, lead me not into temptation. And so if you continually find yourself in situations where you're tempted to say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing and look at the wrong thing, then you should remove yourself from those situations. You should get some other encouraging believers in your life who can speak truth into your life. Maybe out of this camp, you might form an accountability group. Maybe you have a couple guys who instead of just getting together to play modern warfare until your eyes bleed, you can get together and talk about what the Lord is doing in your life and ask, your, ask each other questions like, man, are you being careful with your eyes? Girls, you could get together with a group of girls and say, hey, are you cutting other girls down? Are you speaking encouraging words into their life? Maybe today you might even think about, hey, when we get home, let's get a group like that. Let's text each other and not just whatever, whatever, text each other. Let's just, let's text each other, hey, tell me about what the Lord is doing in your life. Did you read your Bible today? How can I pray for you? Because if you put those things together, remember Satan wants to mess up our relationships. He wants to use our relationships for his glory. But we can use the relationships that God gives us for his glory. You gotta work. You gotta work toward holiness. Number two. You gotta seek God's word. You gotta seek God's word. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy 3, let's go there. Alright? 2 Timothy chapter 3. Turn back a little bit in your Bible. Shouldn't be too far. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It's an excellent verse to memorize. It's one verse that you absolutely need to hide in your heart. 2 Timothy 3:16 goes very closely along with. Joshua 1.8. You can write that as a cross-reference off to the side. You can memorize those, those two together. And they'll, they'll imprint upon your soul the importance of seeking God's Word in your life. So if you want to be a kingdom-minded person, you absolutely have to seek God's Word. God's speaking to you. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All Scripture, from Genesis and the cool stories, to Leviticus and the stuff you get stuck on, to Psalms, to Proverbs, to Song of Solomon to 
Matthew to Revelation and the stuff that's hard to understand, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is theopneustos. Theo meaning God. Neustos, where we get the word air or breath. All Scripture given to us is as if God is breathing His words upon our lives. He gives us this word as a treasure and as a gift to freely reveal Himself to us. Listen, you can't know about yourself and you can't know about life apart from what God ultimately shows us in His absolute truth of His Word. If you live your life outside of reading and thinking about and listening to preaching and taking notes and sitting under the Word of God, you are going to find it very hard to live in the will of God in your life. But God, in His grace, gives you His words breathed out to you that are profitable for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? So that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You gotta memorize it. Not just a camp. You gotta go home. You gotta write them down. You gotta put them on your mirror. You gotta think about them on the way to school. You gotta you gotta put them on your phone so you can continually be thinking about memorizing God's word. You need to find some kind of a way to be in God's word every day to think about what God is talking to you about. Maybe it's the same time in the same place in the same way every day. I'm sure these leaders will tell you about what it looks like for them to be in God's word on a continual basis. That's the primary way that God is going to speak truth into your life. And you've got to think about it. You've got to think about it. Listen, man, young man, you have a brain. And God wants you to use that brain to think about the stuff that He is teaching you. It's time for us to stand up and to use our brains to think about what God is telling us. There's no more room for wimpy Christians. No more room for spiritual lightweights who don't understand the Bible and won't understand the Bible and give up on it. It's time for young people to read the Word of God and think about it and study it because if the kingdom of God is more valuable than anything else in the world, then the words that our King gives us are more important than any other words that we could ever, ever imagine. And don't tell me you don't like reading. Because if you have a phone and you get a text message in your pocket... You want to read it, right? I mean, you get a text, it's like, and you're like, who's talking to me? You ever do that? You're like, somebody's wanting to say something. I got to see what it is. You know, you get it out. Even in school, you're like ducking and hiding. You got it underneath your leg. You know, you're like back behind and I behind my back. Text T9 without, you know, you can just not, you love to read. All right? It's just what you read. You develop an appetite to read the Word of God. Hey, on the campus of the University of Louisville, where I went to school, uh, we would go around campus and witness to random lost people. Anybody ever done that before? It's like, like makes your heart pound a little bit. You're just walking up to people like, hey. And they're like, hey. And you just drop the J-bomb on them. You're like, hey man, if you die today, you know 100% sure you go to heaven or would you have some doubt? And they're like, well, I don't know. 
And he just, boom, just right on him, right there. We were doing that one day, and then we happened upon a couple of atheists who had talked to a lot of Christians before, and so we kind of stepped in the bee's nest. One of these guys had a real stinger for me and for our group. And he said, tell me something. As a Christian, you base your entire life upon what the Bible says. Is that right? And we're like, oh yeah, absolutely. And he said, well, tell me something. Have all of you guys taken the Bible out of one of our hands, read every word in this book? About three-fourths of the guys in our group said, well, I haven't read all of it. An atheist stood back and he said, so you're telling me you base your life on a book that you haven't even read. And we're like, Jesus is good. You know, uh, what do you say to that? No, we went on to share the gospel with the guy. But man, what a stinger. You base your life on a book you haven't even read? Man, you have a, you have a whole summer. You can redo the Word of God in the summer. I mean, call it B90X and read that thing. I mean, shoot through that thing. And there's one-year Bibles and there's all kinds of ways to help you read through Scripture. The way that I, primary way that I use to read through the Scriptures uh, when I read the whole Bible together is I have these hard copy one-year Bibles that are in the New Living Translation. I don't think it's as good of a translation as some other ones like Goodwin, but it helps me read a lot of Scripture in a shorter period of time. And so it takes about 20 to 25 minutes a day and it'll take you about a year if you're a faster reader, if you're one of those A-type people, it might take you a little bit less time. But man, make it a priority. Over the next year, maybe you read through the whole Bible. Maybe you got some books left like you haven't read Job, or you haven't read Leviticus, or you haven't read all the Psalms, or Revelation, you're just scared to even go in there, but we're going to go there tonight. I mean, you're just like, I don't know, man, dive in, seek God's Word. Number three, put others first. Kingdom-minded people, put others first. Some reasons that we don't put others first. We don't put others first because we're prideful. We don't put others first because it takes time. We don't put others first because we're fearful. We're fearful that people might think they're more important than us. We might lose a little bit of glory along the way. But we got to learn to put other people first. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Let's go there. All right? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. We'll go here and we have one more scripture and we'll call it a day. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 2. We're going to read two verse. Incredible passage on humility, teaching us our proper standing before a holy God. Philippians 2, verse 3. Apostle Paul says, the church of Philippi, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Everybody say, count others, count others. more significant, more significant. Than, yourself. than yourself. Count others more significant 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 than yourself. The reason I say it four times is because we so easily forget it. Count other people as more significant than you are. What an, what an incredible concept to put other people first. Here's, here's the thing about putting other people first. In any situation, only one can go first. Only one can go first. Remember you were in kindergarten you used to fight over being the line leader? You remember that? I want to be and you were yesterday and you were this morning but it's my turn now and I'm the biggest and so I'm going to do it and push you out of the way. Only one can go first. And the scriptures tell us count 
others is more significant than yourself, we got to do that. You got to put other people first. Kingdom minded people don't think about themselves first. Kingdom minded people think of ways to put others first. I heard of a, a student at a school in Nashville, just, just a little ways over from here, who was the star basketball player on his team. He was a point guard. He's one of the leading scorers that that school ever had. He's an incredible Christian walks with the Lord, drew other people to himself by the way that he followed Christ. Every day at lunch, this star basketball player, right after he was finished eating, most of the time with the most unlovable kids in the school, would go back behind the line and do dishes for the rest of his lunch period. He'd strap on an apron, he'd take a tray, and he'd feed them through the dishwasher one after another. Hey, thanks. Hey, thanks. Hey, thanks. And he'd feed them through Man, he leveraged what he had for other people. Some of y'all are, are just the coolest of the cool and people think you're awesome and all that. Look, you have the opportunity to go up to other people and just say, hey, how's it going? Hi, how you doing? You have the opportunity to leverage what you have for other people. You're a stud athlete. People look to you. People admire you. You have the opportunity to not shine glory for yourself, but to be a mirror to shine the light of God to everybody that you see. Man, guys like Tim Tebow, excellent examples of people who use gifts, talents, and abilities not for themselves and not for the glory, but for other people. Fourth and lastly, kingdom-minded people share about the kingdom. Kingdom-minded people share about the kingdom. We won't turn there. Matthew 28, 18-20, Acts 1, 8. Great verses. You can write them down there and share them in your own time. But kingdom-minded people share about the kingdom. You're going to talk about whatever you're excited about. We went to a restaurant in Louisville actually three times in the past week before I left called Hammerheads. This place was incredible. I went there and I had the best brisket sandwich you've ever had. And I had the best elk burger you've ever had. And I had the best french fries that you've ever had. And after I left that restaurant, I couldn't stop talking about it. Everywhere I went, I was like, hey, how's it going? Have you ever eaten at Hammerheads? This is so good. We just sat there and just had a great meal together. Whatever you're excited about, you're going to share. And if you're excited about Jesus, you've got to share Jesus. Let me give you one assignment, one illustration, then we'll go. Here's your assignment. On the paper that you have, whatever you have before you, I want you to write down one person with whom you can share Jesus with. One person you know that doesn't know the Lord. Listen, don't write down a name if you're just like, Yes, that person's lost, I know. I want you to write down a name if you're willing to go and share the gospel with that person. Maybe it's a younger brother or a sister. Maybe you're in a situation like me. Maybe it's a mom or dad who didn't know the Lord. Maybe it's a cousin. Maybe it's a friend down the street. Write that name down. Write that name down. Between you and the Lord, you're saying, I'm going to go and I'm going to share with that person. Everybody got it down? Okay. Here's the last thing I want to share with you about sharing about God's kingdom. In the uh, International Mission Board, which is the mission agency of, of Southern Baptists, uh, there is a program called the Journeyman Program. And in the Journeyman Program, you can go, if you finish college, and serve the Lord the mission field in another country for one or two or three years. It's a great program. You should think about 
maybe doing that after you graduate from college. The journeyman program, take guys and girls and send them to different places. Last time the numbers were checked, guys, there were 331 journey girls and there were 126 journey guys. Twice as many, well over twice as many, almost three times as many girls as there are guys. In West Africa, which is considered one of the hardest places to go and serve in an international missions, there are 48 females serving the Lord in that place. There are two guys. Guys, and you got to step up. And guys, you got to be leaders. Guys, look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Guys, look, you can't be spiritual wimps. You can't be spiritual lightweight. It's time for the little boy to sit down. It's time for the man to stand up. You got to go. You got to share. You got to lead. You got to be an example. You got to share about God's kingdom. Put front. And get serious. Do you hear me? Yes, hear me? All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, we lift you up as our great and awesome God. We thank you for King Jesus, who rules over us as a good ruler, who provides for us, who heals us, who forgives us. We thank you for Jesus. Let I pray that each one of us would be kingdom-minded people. Father, that we would work toward holiness and seek your word and put others first and share about your kingdom. Pray for these young men. Let I pray that the little boy would sit down and the man would stand up they be leaders in your kingdom to lead other people into a relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you'd rise up among us a generation of young people who are fired up about your name and what you've done and will do whatever, wherever you want them to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.